The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, and thanks for being with us for another edition of our Winning Ponies radio show. Uh, with us today, we've gone to, from uh, Florida to Kentucky. Uh, we're going to start off with Larry Colmas. As you know, if you listened to the Breeders' Cup last week, and if you're listening to this, I know you did, uh, you heard him with two days of sensational race calls. So we're going to find about Larry's entrance into the racing game. He's called it many, many tracks. And, uh, of course, one of his race calls was one of the biggest hits uh, on uh, on YouTube. Uh, you may recall my my wife knows everything the wife doesn't know that was a fantastic one that made the rounds with a lot of race trackers and then after that we're going to have our second guest is uh, our boots on the ground down in Kentucky at the Phasic Tipton sale and at the Keeneland sale uh, Joe Nevels the uh, turf rider for the uh, the daily racing form as far as uh, breeding is concerned so I uh, got to see Joe yesterday and spend some time with him down there. And uh, so he'll be telling us what's been going on. It's been very, very strong. If you've been uh, following it on the Internet, the, uh, the the market strong. Right now, we've just seen the top level, and uh, it's amazing the number of million-dollar purchases uh, that have been made. Uh, yesterday, I think there may have been eight of them at Keeneland, and each one of them went to an individual buyer. So it's not just like interest from uh, Japan or uh, Dubai are, are scooping up all the top horses. It's kind of being spread out. So it's good to see the market strong, and it never, it never hurts our sport of racing. And what also never hurts our sport of racing is a little bit of a contest, and we had a great contest here on Winning Ponies last week. I'll just give out the first name in case these guys owe you money, but uh, Everett S. took the top spot. Uh, in the uh, classic, he had the uh, trifecta cold, Mucho Macho Man will take charge and declaration of war. So he gets 150 in cash. And then getting uh, winning credits, 75 of them uh, from winning ponies, was Goldman K, if I'm pronouncing that right. He had Mucho Macho Man on top. Game on dude in second, but he did have declaration of war as the show bet and Fort Larned in Fourth. And then uh, in the third spot was uh, was Robert, Mucho Macho Man on top, will take charge in second, so he at least had the exacta and a closer time than Catherine M., who had Mucho Macho Man and will take charge. And uh, our, our winner of the final time was Martin M. So hopefully if you took part in the contest, you're listening now, and I congratulate all of you 
for your wins, and we're going to have more contests coming up here on Winning Ponies. Well, um, we had to tune in uh, on television, or you had to be at a Santa Anita or your favorite OTV parlor uh, to watch the races. Sad to say, on the television, the overnight race ratings for the Breeders' Cup Classic took a dip. Um, you might recall that last year the telecast was coming out of the Triple Crown overtime game between Notre Dame and Pittsburgh, so I think a lot of people had the channel on and uh, they watched it. There was also a reported dispute between the Dish Network um, and NBC in some markets that stopped some people from seeing it. Uh, the top five people, well, obviously Mike Smith has a lot of fans out there because Albuquerque, New Mexico led them all followed by Indianapolis, Indiana, Fort Myers, Florida, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Louisville, Kentucky. So this tri-state area, very strong. Uh, of course, when we started out the, the second day of, of racing in the Breeders' Cup, the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, uh, we not only had a disqualification, but sad to say we had a, a spill in there when uh, John Velasquez and Secret Compass went down. And uh, when they got to the hospital, they were kind of hoping it was just an arm injury. He appeared to be holding his arm, uh, but actually it ended up that he had internal bleeding and they had to remove his spleen. Uh, now, he has been released from the hospital, but he is going to uh, rest uh, out on the West Coast for a few days. It was a, a pretty serious operation. So uh, they think as long as he takes his time, the 41-year-old rider will be okay. Sad to say, Secret Compass did have to be uh, put down. His uh, He was replaced on his remaining Breeders' Cup mounts, including Point of Entry, who finished fourth in the Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, Joel Rosario got that. And Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, scored a repeat victory, as you know, in the Breeders' Cup mile. May well once again be Horse of the Year. But it was Jose Lescano who happened to be in the jockey's room. And Jose has ridden the champ before. So why is Dan back with a familiar jockey and did get the job done in impressive fashion? Another jock that uh, kind of is on the sidelines for a little bit, you may or may not know, is Rosie Napravnik. She's been taken off her mounts uh, due to body soreness uh, for the second consecutive day. Uh, one incident occurred at Churchill Downs where she was thrown by her mount at the start of a race. That was like two weeks ago. And then the second one was in Louisville late last week and uh, when her car was rear-ended by another vehicle. So it didn't even happen on the track. Uh, but she escaped without serious injury, but she's still kind of sore. Uh, she did travel to ride in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies where she finished eighth aboard Pocahontas. So they just said, hey, she needs a couple of days. We're going to give it off. Uh, just before her very first injury, she had wrapped up the fall meet title at Keeneland, her first riding title ever and the first ever for a woman. Uh, Central Intelligence uh, underwent successful surgery after sustaining a hairline condylar fracture during the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. And uh, it looks like he's back at Ron Ellis's barn. That's a very good sign. Uh, they say he came out of the surgery really well, and they do expect him to return back uh, to racing. So we wish him uh, nothing but the best. Uh, he has four lifetime wins from 14 starts for earnings of over 300 thousand dollars so that was some good news okay uh this one i really wasn't expecting uh, i thought they'd race him as an older horse but orb has been retired to claiborne farm where he grew up he's going to stand for only twenty five thousand 
dollars at Claiborne. Uh, the five-year-old son of Malibu Moon retires with five wins and 12 career starts for earnings of over two. Point six million dollars. Of course, uh, he was trained uh, by Suge McGahey, and uh, the you know r- the run that he had. Of course, a powerful Kentucky Derby win by two wins. Uh, Suge says that the horse is sound. Uh, well, he's sorry to see him go, but it's an opportune time for him to begin his next career. Of course, uh, the owned by the Janney family, the breeding program at Claiborne. You had to know he was going to go there. Uh, his pedigree goes back six generations where he was folded and raised at Claiborne. Tracing all the way back to shenanigans, you may recall she was the dam of Ruffian. Well, a couple other ones out of the Breeders' Cup are back in Kentucky, and they're going to start their stud careers. Uh, one of them, point of entry, of course, uh, he made a, a pretty nice comeback after being injured earlier this year uh, to run uh, fourth uh, in, the, in the Breeders' Cup, and he's going to join Fort Larned, at Adena in Kentucky. So uh, two strong horses from this crop, uh, Point of Entry and Fort Larned, will be standing at Frank Stronach's very successful farm. Uh, the winner of the Don Handicap, Gradar, he's retired to TaylorMade Farm. Uh, he is Unbridled Song's undefeated top older horse of 2013. He's going to the TaylorMade Stallions in Nicholasville, Looks like he's going to stand for only 15000 Uh Sad to say, according to Todd Pletcher, that his quarter crack forced him to miss the Breeders' Cup, and it wasn't healing like they hoped to. They are hoping to come back and make the Cigar Mile, and uh, it just uh, wasn't going to happen. According to Pletcher, he's among some of the best horses he ever trained. So uh, Gradar, again, kind of replacing uh, Unbridled Song, who passed away, at Taylor made earlier this year. Hopefully he'll come back and we'll replace him. Uh, he had a near flawless record. They took their time starting Gradar. Uh, he had only been defeated once, and he earned $841,000. So so he is, he is off. And let's see. I uh, believe we've got uh, another announcement, and uh, that is that uh, uh, – that, uh, Cat Launch. You may recall we talked about this horse. This is one of those guys that flies under the radar. He's an Ohio bred, but Cat Launch has been officially retired. This horse won 40 races. And if you want one last look at him, you can see him at Beulah Park this week. He is going to lead the field in the Rough Kirchberg Memorial, a race he won four times. And then the the good news about Cat Launch is that uh, he is going to be going to old friends. Of course, we've had Michael Blowen on Winning Ponies several times. What a great guy. What a great program. If you're ever in the central Kentucky area, you've got to go to old friends. They've got so many uh, great retirees down there, and now Cat Launch is going to join them. Of course, a little old Buckeye bred who won 40 races, ended up winning a million dollars, and his trainer, Ivan Vasquez, who had been with him, from the very beginning, is very happy. He says, hey, I've only got an hour and a half drive, and I can go down and see him. And uh, speaking of Rosie Napravnik and old friends, uh, they're going to team up this year. Uh, Rosie's going to be uh, posing with their uh, auction that's called Hats Off to the Horses. Uh, go to the old friends website, and you'll be able to see how you can bid on these. Uh, it starts uh, 
very soon and then goes all the way up to to the Kentucky Derby. Well, don't have to tell you unless you've been uh, reading a little bit about some of the, some of the numbers that have been coming out of Kentucky this year, and it started out with a $5.2 million purchase at the Fazig Tipton on Monday. And Mandy Pope bought this horse, Whispering Hill. Better, 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 a Group 3 winner that's now in full to the Hot Sire Warfront. And uh, let me tell you, Mandy's got some pretty deep pockets. Uh, but they had a fantastic sale, 129 horses sold for over $73 million, up 22% from last year, and uh, Mandy, again, uh, didn't hold back yesterday. I was down at Keeneland when uh, Mandy went to $3.1 million to buy the two-time champion, I do believe, Groupie Doll. Uh, Also, a a horse uh, of interest uh, that brought some good money at at Fazig Tipton was the... uh, uh, in lingerie, we've had in lingerie one of the uh, owners here on Winning Ponies. She was in full to Frankel and uh, brought to over $2 million. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more with uh, with Joe Nevels about that. Uh, both sales, Joe, of course, again, covers it for the uh, the daily racing form, and he's been down there covering it. He'll let us know. But it's just amazing. The number's up really solid at both places. So that's a look at some of the news of the week. There's so much news coming out of the Breeders' Cup, and we're going to get a, a chance to talk uh, to, to Larry Colmus, uh, the man that called all the races over a two-day period, did an outstanding job. I've been having a great afternoon sitting here listening to his calls. Uh, they, they were just flawless. Even when he got thrown a few curves, uh, he, he just kept on going. So we'll review the, uh, the some of the winners of the Breeders' Cup, and also we're going to take a to walk back in time and find out how he did get to be such an outstanding race caller. So thanks for listening. You know you're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. Shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high-
high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. If I... All right, and with me right now is a guy I've been wanting to get on for the longest time, and I'm so lucky to get him only uh, a week after uh, the, his sensational calls out at Santa Anita at the Breeders' Cup, and that's uh, Larry Colmus. Uh, he, he's a, a native of Baltimore. He's called at a lot of tracks. Uh, I believe this, uh, his mainstay over the last couple of years has been Gulfstream, uh, Monmouth, and Suffolk Downs. He called his uh, first race at, at Bowie Racetrack. Uh, back in 1985, he's been assistant announcer at Laurel, Pimlico, Bowie, Timonium, uh, in, in his native Maryland. Then he kind of moved on to the major summer circuit back in 1994 when he picked up Monmouth Park, host of the 2007 Breeders' Cup. And uh, then he did some winter announcing at, at Aqueduct and announcer at Gulfstream. But the main thing is, is that uh, he's, he's been uh, picked up now. Uh, since 2011 from NBC Sports as the new race caller for, for the Triple Crown and just had a fantastic weekend uh, calling the, the Breeders' Cup races on uh, NBC uh, Sports and then NBC uh, Mainstay. And so with us right now is Larry Colmas. Larry, I hope I got most of your resume right. Yeah, for the most part. You know, uh, you you, uh, you summed it up pretty well. It's It's been... Uh, it's been a fun ride, uh, of course, over the past few years, and, and I'm glad we're finally able to get together and and uh, I was able to be on the show. I know we've had a couple of close calls where I was supposed to be on and something came up, but uh, but it's finally uh, finally the time has come, and it, it's pretty cool because uh, the Breeders' Cup uh, is uh, fresh in our mind. It was just a, an amazing, uh, amazing time out there. Well, I want to get to the Breeders' Cup, but before I do that, I know what a unique and challenging position it is to be a race caller. So what got you even thinking you could do it in the first place, and what were the early days like? Well, what happened was I grew up in Maryland, and my father put in the sound system at Timonium. He was in charge of the speaker system there, and he brought me to the track to sort of learn his business and and quickly figured out that I was mechanically incompetent and, and that wasn't going to work out very well. <laughs> but I fell in love with horse racing when I was there. And, and uh, I would spend most of my time up in the press box because that's where the announcer was. And, and if something went wrong with the sound system or, you know, it was too low or too loud, I, I would adjust that. If something went wrong, I would call my father and he'd come fix it. But uh, for the most part, uh, I just watched the races up there got to see what it was all about, and then I started watching these uh, racing replay shows. I mean, there was no simulcasting back then. This is the, the early 80s, and and uh, they had that show on ESPN, I remember, that Sharon Smith used to host, and it would have all the top races from around the country, and I would watch them, and I, I'd listen to the announcers, and I'm like, man, this is cool. I, I think I could do that, and I started practicing, you know, calling races, and I would be doing impressions of the guys that I heard when I was in the press box and a couple of the guys that were working in the press box, they said, Hey, you should try doing this. And they found a little room for me, you know, when we went to the, the bigger tracks 
where I could start calling races. And and uh, one day, Chick Lang, who was the uh, the general manager of Pimlico at the time, heard me practicing and said, "You want to be the assistant announcer?" And that's when I started calling one race a day. So uh, it worked out, and uh, you know, it's been fun ever since. Well, it it, it sure did because uh, I mean. Again, I've really had the opportunity to, to take the afternoon off and listen to your races. And first of all, you're, you're no one-trick pony. You really have a great way of, of looking and analyzing the races. And I have to admit, versus most track announcers today that, sad to say, end up calling six- to seven-horse fields, you, you were faced with some amazing challenges with some of the humongous fields that the Breeders' Cup races drew. Yeah, that's that's for for sure. I mean, I, you know, for in in the case of calling the Kentucky Derby, you have to have those twenty horses in your head, you know, which is is tough enough as it is. For the Breeders' Cup, it was one hundred sixty horses over a two day period of time, and and many of them were you know horses from around the world, and and uh, a lot of work went into it. And the, the folks from Breeders' Cup were a, a huge help. Uh, you know, they were able to get me the uh, the silks of all of the horses in the races and that's how we do it we we look at the silks that the jockeys are wearing and memorize those colors so i i was making index cards for you know a week and a half uh, of every horse that's running in the breeders cup and just you know through through my head one after another that's this is this horse this is this horse and um, you know made sure i know who they were and and looked at different scenarios you know how the races were going to set up and and uh, you try to do as much work and be as prepared as you could possibly be, and and that's and that's what I did, and and um, I'm happy that it worked out, and you know, no major uh, no major flaws that uh, you know that I I wanted to take back, so that's good. Well, as I told you, I, I've spent a lot of times in the announcers' booth uh, over the years, and one of the most discerning things that that can happen happened to you on Saturday, but you almost never knew it happened. And uh, it, it, it's terrible. It does happen. It's part of the game. But it's it's when, when a horse goes down. And I've, I've seen it happen. You know, obviously, Johnny V went down on Secret Compass. It can just kind of take you out of your game. And, and probably when you're a younger announcer, it does. But uh, you, you were absolutely flawless. You, you described it. It happened. And then all of a sudden you went right on to, it's a game and determined she's a tiger who finishes on the wire with Rita Antonio and in a disqualification race, no no less. Uh, my, my hat's really off to you because I know how difficult that is. Yeah, I mean, John, that that's something that we, we all hate. You know, so it's so bad when, when something like that happens and, and uh, unfortunately, it, that that is when you have to to really figure out how to handle a situation like that. You you have to have respect for you know secret compass and at the same time show enthusiasm for the the finish of the race. But that enthusiasm level is going to be muted compared to any other scenario when when there wasn't a breakdown. So um, you know it, it's it's and and a lot of it's natural. I mean because because in your in your heart, you're feeling for what happened. What happened to Secret Compass, and and you're like, you know, I, I I can't get too excited about what happens from now on out in this race because of this, and and you just sort of it it comes naturally, and it, it's it's something that again never want to have to deal with, but but it does happen. 
Well, all I can say is I've seen a lot of a lot of announcers taken out of their game when it does, and, and and you did a great job. Now, while we're on the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, I've got to ask you, <clears throat> you, you've seen many, many a race, and I guess you don't have to answer to the Santa Anita stewards, and they're probably not listening to this, but I really didn't think that horse should have come down. You know, I, I, I know it was a... Actually, I listened to Trevor's announcement that it was a majority decision, so I, I assumed it was a, a two-to-one decision rather than a three-to-zero decision. But, you know, I think that the reason that they that they made the disqualification was the margin of victory, the fact that it was just so, so close, and that She's a Tiger came out and bumped her. You know, even if it was ever so slightly, they figured that, that nose was a, you know a, enough for them to turn that around. I, and, and I'm not speaking for the stewards, but I, I have a feeling that if if uh, she's a tiger had had won that race by a neck or a half of a length, that they probably would not have made that disqualification. But uh, that's just the impression that I got it was because the photo was so close that that bumping was enough in their opinion to to you know alter the order of finish. Well, there's so many people uh, in the Gary Stevens camp. It was a shame to see him, him come down, but you really paid him homage in, in, in the distaff with your with your call. This is all Beholder and the comeback kid. Gary Stevens have won the distaff with authority. Um, you know, so many people are, are behind this story, and I just think it's really neat that you put that punctuation in there in the distaff. Well, thank you for uh, that, John. You know, it, it it was that was the story. I mean, obviously, you know, Beholder had had uh, you know run a spectacular race, but the you know the big storyline for everybody out there in, in TV world for sure was was this 50 year old guy that used to be on the NBC shows that you know that had come back to ride this year and and uh, and and won the race on Beholder, and and you know people wanted to hear about Gary Stevens and. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, uh, over the past couple of years, I got to work with Gary Stevens, you know, ever since I got the NBC job. And, and he's just one of the best guys in our sport. And uh, I have a, a ton of respect for him. And I uh, was so happy for him that, you know, I, I definitely, you know, that in, influenced the call a little bit, I guess, because, because Gary's just a, a good guy and he, he's just great for our game. He absolutely is. And, you know, another one that I know, personally and and I really feel a lot of people that that follow racing and know the story is, is the story of 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 groupie doll and once again your call got the, the hair up on my arms where you're like groupie doll digs in for all she has and she has enough to do it groupie doll is a champion again I mean there were so many people riding that horse I'm surprised she could carry the weight but it it, it was great there were so many good storylines that was definitely one of them it was definitely one of them, and and again, there's there's another uh, a guy that is just the, the the class of racing, Buff Bradley. Uh, you you won't meet a better guy than Buff Bradley, the trainer of Groupie Doll, and and his father Fred, and and we had so much fun with them when I was the announcer at Suffolk Downs, and they brought Brass Hat in to win the Mascap, and that's why I got to meet you know Buff, and and I was so happy for him when. Groupie Doll got as good as she was, and it was a thrill to be able to call her winning the Breeders' Cup for the second time because the, you know, he's just a, he's just one of the better people in our sport. 
Well, I, I actually got to spend several hours with Buff yesterday. I'm writing a story for a magazine in Lexington, and I've known him over the years. He races on the same circuit I hang out in, and you are, you are dead on, uh, the classiest people you would ever meet. And there was a really touching moment where his dad drove up in the middle of the afternoon and came through the gate, and they brought Groupie Doll over to him, and he started, he started rubbing on her nose and uh, basically just said, be a good girl, and you show them how good you are today. And it was really touching and buff. I mean, people were just coming to him and giving him hugs uh, from everywhere. Uh, uh, Susie Piku Oldham, of course, he came up under Clarence Piku. Uh, her whole family was there, and it was, it was almost like a family picnic around his barn. The, the thing is, he never really got more than about 25 yards from Groupie Doll the whole day, and you could see his eyes kind of welling up. But I did see him after the sale, and I saw him talking to Mandy Pope, and I'm sure he was saying, you know, Mandy, she's pretty fit right now. We could probably go back and maybe win that cigar mile. So <laughs> it would be kind of a neat thing if she, if she gave him one more shot. Um, that would be a lot a, of fun. I don't know if you're a seer or not, so happy but in, in the Breeders' Cup, uh, Cup sprint, um, when you gave a, a misdirection, uh, misdirection has done it again, and it is dead tight for a second. And don't I find out about five minutes later that it was a dead heat? You got some pretty good eyes there, my friend. <laughs> I was just I was just too too much of a wimp to call that one. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just two horses right on the wire together there, and and you know they were inside of misdirection, and it was really tough to see. So I figured I'd leave that one alone, and and I got lucky that it was a dead heat. Well, uh, another another beautiful one, a horse that I was trying to get my money back from last year was the Fugue, and 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 you you were dead on. You were like the Fugue looked good in mid stretch, but it took some magic to beat her. Magician and Ryan Moore did it. You know, oh boy, that that tore up a lot of tickets. I can tell you, but it, it was just so neat how that just came out of your mouth so natural. Yeah, that was one of those things that just. And it, and it was kind of spur of the moment, you know, you can't really plan anything like that. And, and uh, you know, with the name Magician, it, it, you you have to have a little fun uh, with that. And, and it was a great ride by Ryan Moore, by the way. And, and the Fugue uh, ran a terrific race. But, you know, the uh, it was amazing how great the Europeans were. They just, they just, you know, time after time, they just kept doing everything right. Well, you know, then, of course, we, we had the, the, the Johnny D. V. angle, and uh, kind of interesting that Jose Lescano was actually sitting in the room, uh, jockey that used to ride Wise Dan before uh, Johnny V. took over. And, you know, as you said, you know, Wise Dan was just brilliant in the mile. Um, i got to think without Game on Dude winning the Classic, that, that may well make him Horse of the Year. Yeah, I don't see anybody else being Horse of the Year at this point. It, it, it seems like the way things set up that, that uh, the favorites going into the day were were Game on Dude, Wise Dan, and probably Princess of Silmar. And, uh, you know, Game on Dude and Princess of Silmar had had uh, not-so-good Breeders' Cups, and, and there leaves Wise Dan in that spot, and it looks like he'll be Horse of the Year again. Well, listen, I'm going to try to pull something off here. Let me see if I can do it. Uh, just like you, I'm not uh, the most technically gifted. Uh, I'm going to give something <laughs> a little shot here. Let me see if I can. And... Uh, I'm trying to, I guess I can't. I was trying to pull up your stretch run of, of, of the classic. Uh, it was just fantastic. You were dead on and what was almost a, uh, a three-horse photo finish that was decided by a nose. And sad to say, I don't know why this isn't working. I, I thought I had it all set up. But anyhow, uh, my, not my 
my my strong suit uh, and pulling up audio. But uh, my, my hats off to you. That was just you know for for the last race of the day uh, to you know have a horse with a lot of heart and a woman that has a new heart, and then to cap it off once again with Gary Stevens. I mean, it was just it was a great crescendo to a great two days. It really was, and and the the finish was. Just, just an, an unbelievable way to end the Breeders' Cup. And, and to be honest with you, when I, I called Mucho Macho Man winning, you know, over will take charge. Uh, I watched afterwards the first replay, and, and the first thing that came to my mind was, oh no, this is a lot closer than I thought it was, because it, it was really, it, you know, a step before the wire and after Mucho Macho Man clearly was in front, and will take charge just got the biggest head bob you can imagine to be head and head and nose and nose right on the wire with him. And after I watched the first replay, I'm like, oh, this is like bordering on disaster because it's either, you know, it, it works out great that you're right, but if you're wrong, it's a thousand times worse. And luckily, you know, when they put the, the six up on the board, the uh, the sigh of relief came from my room <laughs> that Mucho Macho Man had in fact won and, and uh and it was it was great for for Kathy Ritvo, like you said, and for Gary Stevens. I mean, just well, uh, it looks like uh, your 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 week of rest is over uh, because uh, you got an awful big day on Saturday. I'm sure a lot of our listeners here on Winning Ponies are going to be keying in on Gulfstream because uh, they're going to have a chance to uh, to uh, bet on horses which I always like, the state-bred programs, that, that, that have been matched up against each other. I think it gives you uh, a, something to put your ruler up against because you've had a, you've had a chance to watch these horses. Uh, I, what have you got, uh, perhaps seven stakes races you'll be calling on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday is uh, Sunshine Millions preview day, so it's all Florida breds. So our Sunshine Millions is in about uh, a month or so, and this will be a little preview of uh, all the Florida breds in action a uh, million dollars in person, so it's going to be a great afternoon. And if you come to Gulfstream, if you happen to be down there, you're going to see Mucho Macho Man because he is going to parade in the walking ring between races. So uh, another reason to be at Gulfstream on Saturday. That's that's sensational. Well, uh, Larry Colmas, thanks so much for spending time with us on Winning Ponies. Uh, I ultimately respect the job of every track announcer, but I have to say uh, you're one of the best of the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and thanks for having me on. All right, that was Larry Colmas. Hope you enjoyed his calls with the Breeders' Cup last week. Again, big day Saturday down at Gulfstream Park. Coming up next from the Daily Racing Forum, boots on the grounds on the backstretch of the tracks of Kentucky, our man Joe Nevels. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is Joe Nevels. He writes for the Daily Racing Forum, specifically for their new breeding section, and is doing an outstanding job. Uh, I go back, I met Joe at uh, River Downs back in 2008. He had an internship at the Thoroughbred Times, who's no longer with us, but thank God he landed on his feet with the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, he covered uh, Curlin's victory in the Stephen Foster handicap, and uh, since then, again, has landed the job at uh, uh, the Daily Racing Forum. He's, he's doing an outstanding job. He, uh, he hails uh, from Michigan and is very proud of his, uh, his bloodlines that go back there. Uh, he also covers uh, different uh, smaller tracks. Uh, he covers Arabian racing. And uh, so he's been with thoroughbred quarter horses, paint horses, Arabians, you name it. But right now his specialty is thoroughbreds. And he's closest to the finest thoroughbred bloodlines in the world, and certainly has been uh, starting on Monday this week when he started at, at Phasic Tipton, where uh, things just took off with a $5.2 million purchase. With us, Joe Nevels. Joe's been an exciting couple of days, huh? Oh, I tell you what, you know, it's just been great to see such a resurgence in the market, you know. For the past three years or so, we've sort of been approaching things with a little bit of, you know, tepid optimism, you know, as figures continue to improve and improve and improve from things bottomed out in 2010. And we're now starting to get back to the figures that we were before, you know, the big market crash of the late 2000s. So, you know, there's just a lot of optimism in the marketplace and a lot of fireworks in the sales rank. Well, there is, and I'm finding um, kind of some mixed results. As I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, the very successful Phasic Tipton sale, uh, there were a lot of foreign buyers there. And um, yesterday, what we saw at Keeneland, I, I, were there, I forget how many million-dollar horses went, but each one was bought by a different enterprise, and a lot of them were North American-based. Um, well, what's, your, what's your read on that, and what, was I right about the foreign buyers at Phasic Tipton? Well, there were a, there were a lot of foreign buyers at Phasing Tipton, especially at the top of the market. But you know, still, at least half of them were domestic. You know, it's not like specifically the Japanese were coming in and taking all the horses, or specifically specifically the Qataris, who are really starting to make a splash in the thoroughbred industry worldwide. They're, uh, you know, Sheikh Johan. You really need to keep an eye on his stable. He's going to become a major major player very very soon. 
But you know, the top horse was still bought by Mandy Pope. So you know, there's still America. There's still an American buying bench there. Um, you know, the Fabian Tipton pedigrees. You know, there were a lot of internationally, um, you know, flavored pedigrees tailored toward international buyers. You know, you had two big name mares in full to you know all world, you know, the European champion Frankel. You had uh, Galileo, you know, top the sale. Um, you know, there was just it was, a, it was there was a lot of appeal for international buyers, and they definitely took the bait on it. Yeah, well, I mean, two that uh, our listeners will know about, of course, Ms. Direction, uh, mm-hmm. who just just won the, the Breeders' Cup, and uh, you know, like Jim Rome said when he's in the winter circle, uh, you know, I, I hate to part with her, but part of this is it's a business decision. You know, mm-hmm. it is a business, and they got two point seven million, which went to the Quattori royal family, as you just stated, and then um, and in lingerie, uh, who uh, you know won the won the spinster and the black eyed Susan, as you stated, is in fold of Frankel, so you know that that's going to draw international uh, 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 appeal, and um, so that went uh, to Japan, I believe, to. to uh, Shadai Farm, if I'm saying it right, she went for 2.4 million. So yeah, you know, just when you when you you know look at some of the bloodlines, you can see why some of them go. Now, Misdirection, I, I think you know she just uh, was so sensational. They said, hey, we got the money, we're going to take her. And uh, you know, Jim Rome was uh, you know like you said, he said business is business. Now, the flip side of that coin, as we witnessed yesterday, was the sale of Groupie Doll. Because mm-hmm. this was not, you know, they always tell you don't fall in love with the horse. Well, you know, I, I was back there with Buff, Buff Bradley and, and, and talking with him, and I tried to save the last toughest question for last, and, and it was the, the separation. You know, this is, the, he's from a very small farm in Frankfort, from K- Kentucky. It's run by his family. Uh, they're they're blue-collar people, hard work, and at Lightning has struck twice at their farm with Brass Hat, and now groupie doll, and this was not a bit. You know, this was a business decision, but it was personal. And mm-hmm. he finally he looked over at her stall and, and said to me, "He goes, you know, I pulled her out of her mother, and and today I'm going to sell her." He says that that's that's not an easy thing for me to do, and it was really it, it, it was gut wrenching to to watch him pace around her stall all day long and people coming up and giving him hugs. I mean. Uh, you know, you know, some people, let's face it, it is. It's like, nope, she's worth this now, she's worth this, it's a business, let's move on, we'll buy another one tomorrow. But the Groupie Doll star story, that's a whole different thing. And the thing with Groupie Doll is you just didn't know who was going to buy her. I mean, I, you know, everybody loves Groupie Doll. She's a great runner, a great heart, love the connections, but her pedigree really isn't, you know, a sexy American commercial pedigree, whereas, you know, I, I, my money was on, the, on Japanese interest buying her because they really value, you know, the on-track performance over the sort of, you know, dynamic commercial pedigree. So I figured the Japanese were going to be a very big player on her. I figured Mandy Pope would have a voice in it, but I didn't know if she would be the one to go all the way on it. But, you know, I've got to say I'm very happy that she did because that means that, you know, Goofy Doll is going to stay right down the road from the Bradleys. Mandy's very, you know, open with her horses, so I imagine that she'll, you know, let the Bradleys come and visit her and love on her anytime that they want. And, you know, it just, it's always good to have happy endings in a business like this, especially in a situation like Groupie Dolls where she could have gone anywhere in the world and she stayed home. So, 
you know, that's that's good stuff there. That's just simply well, good. That's good stuff. I, I know yesterday you were only feet away after the sale of Groupie Doll for $3.1 million. And coming up to congratulate her on the purchase was Buff Bradley. And I've got to guess part of the conversation was, by the way, Mandy, this horse is sound, fit, ready to roll. She lost the cigar mile by a nose this year. There's a $600,000 bonus for a Breeders' Cup horse running in that race. What do you say we keep her in training for another month? Have you heard anything out of that? Well, I spoke to her before they had that conversation, and she said that her plan was to retire her, and she'd, you know, she'd do all the due diligence to see if she was to make sure she was absolutely racing sound and everything. And if anybody would know, it would be Buff Bradley. But she said she didn't want to take any unnecessary risks. I mean, you just spent millions of dollars on a, you know, broodmare that you want to have for the next ten, fifteen years, producing foals for you. You know, God forbid something happens to her in the cigar mile, then all of a sudden you've made a very bad decision. And, you know, it, it would be good sport. It would be sporting for her to go for the cigar mile and try to avenge her narrow defeat. But I wouldn't blame Mandy Pope one single bit if she decided, you know what, I've got the horse. I'm happy with what I've got. Let's send her to the breeding shed and enjoy our horse. Yeah, and, I'm, and I must say, Groupie Doll looked absolutely gorgeous. And I've oh, got to figure between her sales topper at Phasic Tipton and Keeneland, we're looking at about $9 million. That $600,000 kickback probably doesn't mean a whole lot to Mandy Pope. Yeah. I mean, she spent like, you know, 14, point, 14 and change million last year on two horses. I don't think she's really in it for, you know, the purse money on as much as, you know, just having really cool horses. And she has a lot of really cool horses. Well, my guess, my guess is Buff was more there to congratulate her and to tell him her how happy he is that the horse will again be be located not far from Frankfurt, Kentucky, and and he'll get a chance to see her. So knowing him, he was taking the high road, um, and it'll just be interesting to see what what plays out. But after what I heard you you just say, I'm guessing she's probably back at uh, Whispering Hill, I believe it's called, and. Uh, she she will be a broodmare, and again, you're reading to her for her athleticism, not because her page was peppered with black type, as we say. Well, uh, Joe, if you'd be nice enough, can you hang on with us for another segment? There's some more questions I, I'd really love to ask you. I most certainly can. All right, Joe Neville's with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. 
The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Daily Racing Form writer Joe Nevels. And again, uh, so many of the things we're talking about are easily enough accessed uh, uh, through Phasing Tipton, through Keeneland, and uh, through the Daily Racing Form. You can get the stats on the horses that were the top sellers and, and who bought them. But Joe, being a writer, I, well, I want to talk about some of the stories that uh, are, A, are coming up and one that I know he's been working on for a long time uh, that, that has a real personal touch to it. And, uh, Joe, I'm not going to say anything further. I want you to unveil this story uh, that I think is going to be an awful good one because I know you've been working on this for months. Months. Actually, I've been working on it since, actually, since my days at Thoroughbred Times. So we're going on about a year and a half now. Uh, the story is going to be in this Saturday's edition of the Daily Racing Forum. It's called Finding Charlie. It's basically the story of how my grandpa's, you know, homebred $4,000 claimer named Royal Charlie, you know, really brought me up in the business and got me focused in on how, you know, following racing is what I wanted to do with my life. And basically how I, he, how I followed him throughout his career. And then he, uh, when he was retired, he was sold to a guy, in, he was sold to a guy in Charlestown, you know, fell off the face of the earth. I figured that, you know, something terrible had happened to him and I lost track of him for five years. And then I get hired by Thoroughbred Times, and a week before I'm about to fly out to Baltimore for the 2012 Preakness Stakes, I get this email from this lady named Debbie Lynn who says, I think I have your grandpa's horse. His name is Royal Charlie. Did he race at Great Lakes Downs? And I say yes. And it turns out, you know, it's absolutely him. When he was on the racetrack, he was impossible to handle. And this woman, you know, had the patience of a bomb diffuser with him and turned him into <laughs> just a completely different horse. And now he's a successful uh, fox hunter. He's a successful eventer. And she lived just 40 minutes away from Baltimore. A week before, I was about to fly out there to cover the Preakness Stakes. I'm located in Lexington. I have no business to be in the Maryland area other than to cover the Preakness. And for this to happen, you know, a week before I'm about to be there, you know, just a lot of things fell at the right time. And it was just you know, a really special story, and I hope people enjoy reading it because I've really put my heart and soul into it. Okay, and again, this will be in this Sunday's edition of the Daily Racing Forum? This Saturday's edition will be in the this Saturday. Okay. Yep. Now, from what I understand, I think you've also got a, a, a column coming up, and this maybe this is the one that's going to be on Sunday. Um, correct me if I'm confused because I'm confused easily. Um, <laughs> on some some of the Breeders' Cup horses that came from, uh, shall we say, modest roots. Yep. Uh, this will be in Sunday's edition of DRF Breeding. Um, I did a story comparing the uh, sales horses versus homebred horses. So basically the horses that were acquired through public auction versus 
horses that are being campaigned by their breeders. And uh, for this year's Breeders' Cup, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight horses that were sold through public auction and five that were campaigned by their breeders. And then uh, classic winner Mucho Macho Man was acquired through a private sale, so he's kind of the uh, outlier of the group. Uh, I examined the most expensive horses that come from the Breeders' Cup this year and the least expensive, and it was a pretty economy-sized group this year. I mean, the most expensive Breeders' Cup winner was sold for $425,000, and there wasn't a million-dollar horse there. Actually, uh, I crunched the numbers, and the combined sale prices of all of the Breeders' Cup winners this year at public auction was half of what the highest-selling yearling at this year's Keeneland September yearling sale was. The top seller was something like $2.5 million this year, and the combined Breeders' Cup winners were like $1.1 or $1.4, something in that neighborhood. So, you know, you don't have to go to the highest level to get yourself a Breeders' Cup winner. You can go for as low as $5,500, as uh, Webb Carroll did to buy Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner Golden Cent. It's, uh, you know, two Breeders' Cup winners this year were purchased for less than $10,000. So they can come from anywhere. Yeah, they can. And uh, let me catch, I might catch you off balance a little bit here, but um, let's face it, Groupie Dolls by Bowman's Band what ballpark is he in for a stud fee? Uh, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but I imagine it's not a bank-breaking fee. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really don't think it was. And obviously, yeah. again, the Bradleys, being modest people, don't have the money that a lot of these other people have to, to breed to the creme de la creme. I'm sure they're still trying to breed to the best that they can. So, uh, but it, it, it had to be interesting. And in, in, in your research, I know you took uh, you know, probably most of Friday and Saturday off to uh, peek at a television set. Uh, well, what was uh, your favorite storyline uh, coming out of the Breeders' Cup? Obviously, the, uh, the the story with a lot of heart was Mucho Macho Man and Kathy Ritvo. Well, I have I have two of them. One is just the utter and sheer dominance of Gary Stevens. I mean, he just had a monster Breeders' Cup. And, you know, there were, there were horses that when the jockeys were, the replacement jockeys for John Velasquez were being announced, when I heard that Gary Stevens was, like, getting the mount on, say, Havana, I got pumped because I knew that Gary Stevens could get that extra 16th of a mile out of a horse that has no business going that extra 16th of a mile. He darn near did it with She's a Tiger and the Juvenile Phillies. That horse did not want that distance, and he, for the second time, pushed that horse to you know, the finish line, and he nearly did it with Havana, too. Just, I have a whole lot of respect for what he did over the weekend. But my top story for the Breeders' Cup, I'm going off the menu here. You know, I'm kind of an Arabian homer, and I just <laughs> loved the Arabian race this year. Um, so big is better. He's been a salty campaigner. He's a nine-year-old who got his first grade one win in this race, and I was just thrilled to see him do it. He's a really pretty horse, just well put together. Um, sadly, he took a bad step in the gallop out and had to be trailered off, which he's going to be fine. He's going off to a stud career. He's, you know, he's going to go off to a very, very good life, but it's always sad to, you know, finally reach the top of the mountain and that's how you end up going out. But I think, I thought that was a fantastic race. There were some very good horses in there and the rider on so big is better made a fantastic move with him. Well, like I said, uh, the top of the, the introduction. You've, you've been a lot of places uh, from Michigan, covering quarter horses, paint horses, Arabians. You pretty much have done it all, Joe. And I've watched you, your your career 
rise, and um, believe me, I mean that sincerely, and uh, you're one of the good guys in the game, and you just keep getting better, and I really do uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us here on uh, on Winning Ponies tonight. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and anytime you want me here, I'm your man. Okay. We've been listening uh, to, uh, to to Joe Nevels again. Uh, his story on Saturday is going to be a personal one. As I found out, he's been working on it for years and not months, and uh, it's really going to probably pull on your heartstrings knowing the way Joe can write. And then we're going to find about those bargain basement discount Breeders' Cup horses on Sunday. That's in the daily racing form. And don't forget, a lot of big races down at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, and you'll get to listen to the calls of Larry Colmus that was with us earlier this evening. So I want to thank both those guys. I want to thank all my friends at Winning Ponies. You want to find some winners, go on winningponies.com, turn on their easy fig sheets, and we'll get you to the winner's circle. So I'm John Engelhardt for Winning Ponies. Remember, if you take a loved one to the races this week, practice safe bets. Well, I'm walking to the room, passing out hundred dollars. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.